0: always good to hear the chatter and uh, we'll have time to continue that after the service where we will have tea and coffee and biscuits and stuff so please do hang around that'd be fantastic. So in a few moments uh, I'm going to invite in Gary to come up and share our first message of a, a brand new series and I'm just going to do a brief uh, introduction. Uh, Gary's got his own title for today which is fantastic but the overall title is Lord Teacher's to pray. So between now and the end of November, most Sunday mornings will feature an aspect of prayer from the Bible, teaching us how to pray, because it's one of the best things that we can do. Uh, John Wesley says this, the greatest thing that you can do for somebody is to pray for them. So we're going to be unpacking prayer, and even those that have been Christians for many years, we pray that God is going to uh, leaders in new ways, and uh, as we pray, uh, maybe find a freshness and if you are' new to Christianity or new Christian or still searching to understand uh, this thing, prayer, which is so important for us as Christians now, incorporated into this particular series um, between october the eighth eighth is a Sunday and the thirteenth we 're going to have something that we 've coined a hundred hours of prayer kind of similar to 24-7, but we're going to do 100 hours of prayer during that week. And we're uh, organizing a a prayer room uh, that's going to be set out with many things that is going to inspire people to pray, And, and we're going to encourage people to book it out for an hour and to come and pray. Now, you might be thinking, if I booked it out for an hour, what am I going to do for an hour of praying? I've never done that. Well, there's going to be so many things in that room to inspire you, and um, even if you come and just soak in God's presence, then you'll be allowed to do that. And and he will lead you to things uh, to pray for. I've been involved in these kind of things uh, in the past, and there's such a great blessing for a church. It's a great blessing for a church community. It's a great blessing for individuals, for families, for uh, ministry teams. So next week we're going to give you more information of the, to the timings because it's going to run, generally speaking, about six days for the week between 6 a.m. in the morning till 12 at night, and people can book out one-hour slots, and I'll give you more information uh, about how that adds up to 100 hours. And next week, you can begin to book in. So it's between the 8th and the 13th of October. Next week, we're going to have a big sheet that you can sign up on. You can also sign up online. But the big sheet is very visual. It's good. It's inspiring. We see that people have booked in. You can book in as a, a couple Um, You can book in as a prayer triplet. You can book in as a ministry group. You can book in as a a group of friends for an hour. So we encourage you that uh, after next week to start thinking where you're going to book your first hour in. And then if there's other hours available, then you can grab other people and book in for another hour. But it's it's just going to be great that we know there's going to be 100 hours of prayer here uh, within that prayer room and we'll explain next week why a prayer room is really helpful why don't we just do it at home why do we do it in a prayer room and we'll explain that a little bit more next week but we know that God is going to bless us as a church and you as an individual if you engage with that but we'll give you more information but first of all Gary is going to kick off our series let's give Gary a welcome he's a great blessing to us here at Encounter Church and uh I'll pray for Gary and we'll let him loose Well, that's quite a dangerous thing to do, actually, is let Gary loose, isn't it? It is, actually. Yeah, yeah, maybe I prayed something different to that. I've never been loose. You've never been loose. Anyway, we best pray. Father, we do thank you for this morning. We do thank you for your presence with us. We do thank you for prayer. And we pray that, you know, as the disciples said, you know, Lord, teach us to pray. We're saying the same thing. And we pray for Gary this morning. We thank you for him. We thank you for his heart. We thank you for his passions, Lord. We thank you for what you've placed on his heart to share with us this morning. And we pray, Lord, that you'll be a great blessing to Gary as he shares and a great blessing to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you.
1: How are we doing? Are you all loose this morning? Give yourselves a bit of a wiggle just to make sure you're loose. That is fantastic. I've never been let loose in my life. I think I'm going to stay here for good now. All loose. Um, Luke chapter 11 is where we are starting. Verse 1 of Luke chapter 11. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. I was having a chat the other day, knowing I was going to be preaching this morning and trying to find the right loose end on the jumble of spiritual truth to pull. I was having a chat. I'd already had the brief, the the brief, the brief. I nearly, I mixed you up there with a priest. Nearly had, I'd already had, shall we have another go at that sentence from the start? I'm far too loose this morning. I'm just going to have to tighten up slightly. Hold on a minute. There we go. We are back to tight. I'd already had the brief from Pastor Phil. He'd given me the the passage to start with, the title of this series that we're starting today. I've called this particular message, Opening Prayer, simply because we'll be opening something about prayer. And it's the first one, and, and it pleased me. And he'd asked me to sort of kick off the theme for the next season of teaching in the church. And the title of that series, Lord, teach us to pray. That's the same request that the disciples made here in Luke 11. You know, most times we would use, there's a, a, a passage in Matthew in chapter 6, which recounts exactly the same episode. Uh, the uh, the telling of um, the, the Lord's Prayer is slightly longer, uh, and the the details around it are slightly more. We'd normally go into that passage, but it's, uh, it's good for us to see the the alternatives uh, which are in the Bible as well. The disciples had stopped him one day, and they said, Lord, you know that whole praying thing you do? Remember, d- d- Jesus is on his way back from praying in a certain place. Don't know where it is, but he was certain. He was on his way back from praying in a certain place. So they'd seen that he, he had been praying. And they said, Lord, that, that thing you do, that thing you expect us to do as well, you know, you know that thing. How do we actually do it? Can, can you teach us? It's amazing how many Christians want to ask that same question. And we're not just talking about new Christians. We are talking about Christians of decades standing. As, as, a, as a pastor of many years, I had the, the, the dubious joy... Of being able to help some people who had been sat in church for decades, but had never really understood how to pray, never really got what what prayer is. They'd they they'd kind of missed the uh, the the introductory session. You know, when you become a Christian, and they say, right, okay, turn up for the next ten weeks, and and they'd been ill on week three. They'd missed that one, and. And and they'd never caught up. And they felt they'd never caught up. And there was this this sense of sort of imposter syndrome they had for 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 decades, where every time the, the 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 rest of the congregation were were deep in prayer, they were thinking, I don't I really don't understand what's going on here. Um, you know, I I know what it looks like. I can I can mimic it. I can uh, I can make it look like I know what I'm doing. But but I don't I don't actually think I am praying, well, what the promises in the Bible say is going to happen when I pray. They're not happening. So, um, you know, something's not right. Something is off. And that imposter syndrome cloud is very real. Spoiler alert, you're not alone. Because... As a lot of people feel that way, and if if this season of teaching does some good, it will do some good not just to to new Christians who are hearing this for the first time, but it will do some good to to people who have felt for years like they don 't get it you know this is This is your time to be a little bit vulnerable and you don't have to say this to anybody else okay I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make you confess your stuff to other people this morning this is this is just inside you okay this this might actually be a time for for me to reset something that I think should have been set differently right at the start Jesus was asked by his disciples, how do we pray? He said, like this, and he taught them the Lord's Prayer. So, I was having a chat the other day. Do you remember that? I was having a chat the other day. The person I was chatting to comes from a pagan family. Childhood scenes were stone age solstices and earth rituals. It's always helpful to have a tame pagan around when you're preparing a sermon, I find. Because they ask the questions that need to be asked. They don't have an inbuilt Christian bias. There's no way I'm thinking, well, they understand that, they understand that, they understand that. That's taken for red, isn't it? No, nothing is. They're not going to smile sweetly and nod at the right time when the prayer meeting leader says, can't we just feel the presence of God here tonight? They think like unbelievers. And that's a helpful point of view when you're trying to explain faith. So I said to my pagan friend, I've got to preach on the Lord's Prayer. She said, what's the problem? You're a rev, aren't you? (laughs) I told you, there is no inbuilt Christian bias or respect, it turns out, amongst pagans i said but i don't i don't do the lord's prayer she said you're joking everyone does the lord's prayer every church we do a funeral in uses the lord's prayer every crematorium service we do uses the lord's prayer even the civil celebrants committed to being ungodly they use the lord's prayer Even I know the Lord's Prayer. I'm afraid I'm going to burst into flames every time I say it, but I know it. I said, let let me be clear. I can recite the Lord's Prayer. I know the words. I know it because I said it at school every day for years. But in 25 years of pastoring, I've used it maybe three times. She said, why? I thought it was automatic. I thought it was part of the deal. I didn't think you were allowed to go home from church until you'd said it. Why didn't you use the Lord's Prayer? I said, because Pentecostals don't. I love my job. Especially when my pagan workmates are demanding I explain the finer points of Pentecostal prayer theology somewhere on the Bristol Road between Longbridge and Lodge Hill. Here's the thing. When the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, and he taught them the Lord's Prayer, was he teaching them a set of words to recite, or was he teaching them the principles of prayer? The answer to this question is the introduction to this series. When we say, Lord, teach us to pray, are we asking for a script? Or are we asking for the tools to write the script ourselves? Do you remember that old charity advert when the the voice of Jesus, or it could have been Robert Powell, said, Give a man a fish and he will feed his family for a day. Teach a man how to fish, and he will feed his family forever. The question is, when Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer, was he giving us a prayer, or was he teaching us how to pray? See, my pagan friends started to talk about chants. Depending on the context, we might call these incantations or, or spells. Yeah, the, the principle is that there's a, a pattern of words, often with actions, sounds like Sunday school, doesn't it, um, that are spoken or, or sung by a group. I'm sure it's all a bit more sophisticated than this, but I'm not pretending to be an expert. Imagine a scene from Midsummer Murders or Inspector Morse or whatever your Sunday evening crime drama of choice is. Inspector Barnaby bursts into a dark room or a clearing in the woods. He interrupts a circle of people dressed in black. You only recognize one of them because that's the only actor they spent proper money on and that's the murderer. But, um, but there's a whole ring of them. And they are chanting something vaguely spooky together. And the thought is that that collective chanting of known words from an agreed script somehow creates a spiritual power which then provokes a response. And the thought is there is a a pooling of power that makes a difference. The words are set down, they're learnt by heart. If you know the words, it also means you're part of the club. So, there is a, a, an element of identity, group identity at work. And that's, that's how these things work. Let's, uh, let's change context slightly. It's like villa fans all knowing the words to the chants from the whole end. If you don't go there, you don't know the words. Believe me, you don't want to know many of the words. But uh, if you don't go there, you don't know the words. And and that example helps us to understand something about these rote chants. It's not actually the specific words that matter. It's about the identity. It's about the group badge. I grew up amongst West Ham fans. Who's that? Who's a West Ham fan? You're the only one. (laughs) Buckle in. Upton Park was the closest First Division club to our house. West Ham fans are not known for their wit and sensitivity. Many of them have eaten all the pies and then squeeze themselves into claret and blue shirts, ready to go on the hunt for their North London sophisticated rivals from the Arsenal or the hot spurs of Tottenham. Having tracked down their prey, they will intimidate them by getting right in their face and repeating... With an accompaniment of beer breath and spittle, I am forever blowing bubbles. Pretty bubbles in the air. They fly so high. Almost reached the sky. And then, like, down, they fade and die. like my dreams, <laughs> they fade and die. Consider yourself told. So <laughs> it's not about the words. It's about the identity. It's about the sense of group identity it's a group badge so when jesus taught the disciples the lord's prayer was he giving them a group badge was he saying was he giving them an identity chant was he saying boys when i hear these words i'll know my people are on the move Wherever I am, boys, when I hear my name being allowed, I will be on my way. Now get your guitars and your copies of Mission Praise. It's kick-off time. That is not how God works. And that's not how faith works. Christianity is not a faith based on chance and incantations. At heart, Christianity is a relationship of love, obedience, and surrender to a forgiving and redeeming Savior. At heart, Christianity is a living, dynamic relationship. Whatever prayer is... It promotes that living, dynamic relationship, or it's not prayer. Married people, try this for the next week. At the end of the service, I'm going to give you each a book, which contains some statements and paragraphs. You're going to go home, you're going to memorize them all, and then... Communicate with your better half solely using those statements and paragraphs. (laughs) There's one where you tell them that you love them. I'll suggest you use that at least daily, if not twice a day. There's one that pledges your future to them. Once a week is probably alright for that one. Don't want to overdo it. There's one that apologizes for all the things you've done wrong. It's best to use that one when you're in a cupboard together. How long do you think your marriage would last? See, the Bible tells us, we're the bride of Christ. The Bible tells us we're, we're adopted into God's family. We, we call God Father, Abba Father at times, Daddy. Christianity is at heart a relationship of love, obedience and surrender to a forgiving and redeeming Savior. It's a dynamic living relationship. There's no robots or, or actors involved. So when Jesus was asked, Lord, teach us to pray, and he taught the Lord's Prayer, whatever he was doing, he was teaching towards a living, dynamic relationship. Pentecostal Christians, in essence, don't do set prayers or liturgies. A hundred and a bit years ago, when the Pentecostal churches were born, they came out of a holiness movement which had at its core a hunger for a personal relationship with Jesus. That's why we don't all line up to see Pastor Phil before the service and hand our prayers to him for him to go and do whatever it is he would go and do. We know we have exactly the same rights of access to God as Phil does. He gets paid better for it, but, uh, but we've, we've all got this, the same rights of access. Being a pastor is a respected and important role. I honour anyone who can do it well. I honour Phil. I honour Isaac. But it's, they don't do it well because they have a special book of spells they're given at Bible college. They don't do it well because there is a special clergy only back door into the presence of God. When they do it well, it's because they have a personal relationship with the living God. We believe that when we pray, we are having a direct, spontaneous, bang-up-to-date conversation with God. We believe that when we start to pray, the Holy Spirit is involved. We believe he inspires our hearts he prompts our emotions, he engages our brains and our intellect, he stirs our sense of compassion and justice, he releases hope and expectation. He translates all of that into a heart's cry, which God the Father hears. It's not about word structure, when we pray in tongues, we don't, we don't use words, not that we understand anyway. It's not about word structure. It's not a memory test or a performance evaluation. It's about the heart. It's about intention. It's about the expectation that our prayer, prayers will be heard by the living God and that we will be able to hear or receive an answer from that living God. Our faith is not that Christianity exists or that the Lord's prayer exists. Our faith is that God exists and he is listening and that he speaks and that he loves us and he's interested in our lives and that he's the boss and what he says goes and that through a lifetime of backwards and forwards of prayers spoken and answers heard, we will slowly be molded and shaped into believers that look and act more like Jesus. That, 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 is, that is what prayer is about. So we are launching a, a, a season of teaching on prayer. All I can say at this point is to invite us to ask the question, demand of our Saviour the same thing that the disciples asked and demanded Lord, teach us to pray. Not, Lord, teach us the prayers. But Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to be vulnerable. Teach us to, to, to open our hearts, to, to say, okay, I, I, I know I should know this, I know everybody else thinks I know this, but in actual fact, I'm not entirely sure what's been going on for however long. Teach us to be vulnerable. Lord teach us to communicate. Teach teach us to actually make contact. Lord teach us to listen. To open our, our spiritual ears and these ones as well sometimes. Teach us to listen. Teach us to hear so we interpret properly what our listening is picking up. Teach us to value your answers. (laughs) You know, part of the problem with prayer is we don't actually like what God says sometimes. So we say, oh, that didn't work. Lord, teach us to act on your answers. Teach us to put our faith into practice. Lord teach us Teach us to hope. Teach us to be ready. And teach us to be expectant. Amen.